0: And what is up? Welcome in Wednesday episode of GC Live. Lots going on, as you know. Thanks for bearing with us, trying to get all of our content up as South Carolina lands their third commitment of the day. A three commitment as far as public guys. Wednesday um, really spanned the last 24 hours, uh, starting last night with South Carolina coach Shane Beamer, putting out a couple of welcome homes then, then added a third today. All three are now public with South Carolina landing, Braden Lee here right before we started recording slash went on air. And then of course Kelvin Hunter, the four star defensive back from right here in state, and Mike Williams, big offensive lineman from Flowers high. Um both uh Braden and Mike teammates up there and former teammates of Dez Zulu Uh Chris man, uh this thing just keeps on rolling. We're gonna get into the guys individually you know, let's start big picture. Um, this thing is kind of come in waves, it seems like. There's like a – there'll be a little lull, and then um, it seems like that momentum starts kicking up again. South Carolina obviously landing Josiah Thompson on Friday, and now three guys this week.
1: Yeah, and the Thompson commitment on the heels of getting Blake Franks and, of course, on the offensive line uh, front, that was after landing – Cam Pringle, right? So you're you're right. It has come in waves in terms of just, you know, a commit here, a couple commitments on the heels of each other, three today, which I think is the biggest single number we've seen lately, Wes. But I think you tweeted this out earlier that the recruiting momentum is real. It is a real thing, and it's certainly real and tangible in Columbia right now. Um, They've got this thing rolling pretty good. Um, You look at the team rankings – we need to get an update one more time to make sure this is correct. But I think South Carolina now sits, yes, they sit at fifth nationally in the On three team recruiting rankings. And that's even after the addition of Braden Lee. Uh, before this wave, they were number seven, which was already pretty solid. And West, they have one of the highest. I think this is important. This isn't just volume, right? Because on threes team rankings formula is a little bit different than some others. This is really dependent on quality, too, of the class. So they have one of the highest, you know, average star ranking, average score in terms of how you rank the players in the country. I think before Lee committed, they were top five nationally. They were, I think Alabama had the number one in that metric. So you look at the blue chip ratio, you look at who South Carolina is beating on these guys, you look at where they're rated, the offer list, This is a really, really good group so far for Shane Beamer. And I I think it's really interesting, Wes, to look back on some of our early conversations. The first few months, the first year or two after Shane Beamer was hired, what did we hear a lot of in terms of all of our recruiting conversations? One of the things that we consistently heard was, hey, you know, there's going to be this guy in this class, this guy in this class, this is how things are going. But people always pointed to that 2024 class in terms of sources that we spoke to about recruiting as, hey, that has a chance to be a really potentially special class. And the hay not fully in the barn yet, right? Um, this is a class that's probably <clears throat> realistically, it may not even be half done when you look at high school guys, but maybe close to it. Um. And what you see is that it's really, really impressive so far. Again, the blue chip ratio, who they're beating. um, And then you get excited if you're a South Carolina fan, I think not only by the guys you've landed, but by some of the guys that remain out there that are priorities too that you're heavily in the game with. So all the efforts that have been building towards this 2024 class, I think you're starting to see them in motion now, and you're starting to see the fruits of that labor.
0: Yeah, and they've just kept on uh, moving forward. It, it gives you an idea of how, you know, you you have to keep adding guys, too, if you're going to stay in that top five range. Um, Chris, they, they had actually broken into the top five on Friday with Josiah, and it just goes to show you how fluid it is. Um, you know, others, and it's not that your guys are dropping back. It's that other schools are adding prospects as well. So, um, they had fallen out of top five, then, um, get right back into it, obviously, with this trio today. Uh, two of the three pretty highly recruited guys as four stars Mike Williams, as we're going to talk about when we talk about Big Mike. Um, don't, don't let that three star, um, kind of shape your opinion of him. I think this is still actually a really, really good pickup as well. Um, You know, they're closing on guys too, Chris. You look at the number of out of state prospects that have major offers. These are not, these are not even late risers that you just did a great job with. These are true. You know, you go out, big time offer list and, and just win the battle. And this DMV area, you know, sometimes we talk about pipelines and it's more, you know, it's kind of more in theory. It's like, uh, it's like physics, like, you you know, this is kind of something that could happen, but is it reality? And, you know, it, it doesn't always play out that, that way. This group going into the DMV and just now landing so many guys up there and putting themselves in a great spot with Dylan Stewart, man, I don't even know if the most super positive, like highly, you know, highly energized Gamecock fan could have predicted that it would go this well for these last couple of classes in the DMV area. Yeah,
1: I I do think that's a great point. I love the physics reference bonus points to you for working that in because I like to use physics references sometimes. You know, it it is when you might have these preconceived notions of a recruiting staff and maybe what they should do, right? Um, Like I, I even look at, I look back at a, at a couple of the previous tenures at South Carolina, like Steve Spurrier, right? Obviously, they ended up recruiting extremely well and had a lot of success at South Carolina. It, it wasn't early though. I think a notion that a lot of people had is, "Hey, Steve Spurrier is coming to South Carolina; he's going to sign every top quarterback. All the receivers are going to be lining up." You know, you kind of think that it, is that reality. Not always. Will Muschamp, some of the guys that he brought on his coaching staff where they came from, Uh, some of the recruits, say, landed in the past, you just expect, okay, they're just going to automatically replicate that at South Carolina, not always the case. One thing we've seen with Shane Beamer is that some of these notions that you thought, hey, they're going to get involved in the Northeast, they're going to tap into the DMV, into Virginia, we've seen that come to fruition. We've seen him starting to land and get in the game with, more importantly, land some of these prospects that are starting to make people's heads turns, right? Eyebrows raised. And so the involvement in the DMV is something we thought would happen, something that Shane Beamer said would happen, but it is definitely happening. And it, it's taken, you know, a little bit to get traction on the big time guys up there, but they've done it. Here's a stat for you, Wes. Number of commits from Maryland in the 2024 class, South Carolina two, Maryland zero right now. South Carolina fans may like that one, but you look at um, you know who they've landed out of that region—not just Maryland, but <clears throat> you know DC, Nicholas Harbor, Tree Babalade in the last class. Look at who they've signed or who they've got committed in this class, and then who they still have a chance at: Dylan Stewart, the number one prospect in the country according to all Three, top ten guy consensus. It's uh, it's pretty exciting, and um, you know, it's look, it's not just the DMV region though. South Carolina's work themselves into the mix with some big-time blue chippers at a variety of places, whether it's within the state's borders, the DMV, even, heck, you look at 2025 with a guy in Elijah Griffin from Savannah who's the number one prospect in the country now, consensus-wise, who they're right in the game with in a battle with Georgia. So you see the recruiting leveling up. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll see how this thing goes. I mean – The path is, and we we got many more days and hours to talk about this, but the path is this could be, in the end, look at some of the other guys that are in on potentially the best class in school history, I think, potentially both in reality and on paper. Uh, So let's dive into them, Chris. I guess we'll start with the order they went public, which is completely jumbled up from the order they went behind the scenes but um so Kelvin Hunter actually jumped in line because if I have it right and I think we do on this he was the third commitment to Shane Beamer during this 24 hour stretch and then was the first to put his up out there very cool picture by the way of um, Kelvin on his Twitter him decked out in Gamecock gear as like a six-year-old or something. So um, long time coming for him. The RPM was pointing to like 98% for Hunter. I think, Chris, you and I both have, uh, you know, had predictions in there for him. This was no secret. It was more one of those where it's a matter of, you know, when as opposed to if. It seemed like he may wait it out. I got the impression, man, he, he was taking pictures with all the other commitments on Saturday at the spring game. He's been on campus multiple times during spring practice. He's around all these other guys acting like a commitment. Reading between the lines, it, it sure seemed like he was just kind of like, there's no point in waiting, um, you know, at this point. Another in-state guy, they continue to just roll through in-state recruiting. They have the top four prospects in the state committed to South Carolina. But we, we've talked about all that a ton. So let's dive into Kelvin Hunter, the player. I've seen him in an All Star game this past year. Uh, I've seen him in a couple of camps. But what do you think of uh, him as a prospect?
1: Well, I remember Wes hearing about him at West Florence, but then we saw him at camp. What was that? Probably not last summer, but the summer before. I think maybe it was our first look at him, and um, you know, heard about him and brought pretty good size, but really good speed you know, for his position. He'd put up some really good testing numbers at that time that I think prompted South Carolina to to jump in with an offer. And once that happened, it, it was, you know, I think South Carolina was the pretty instantly the team to beat. But that's the thing that stands out about this kid when you talk to people around that program when you watch his film uh, is that he can really run um, back there. And that's – I think he's got a lot of the traits – the defensive backs coach, Torian Gray, is really, really going to like. Probably has some positional versatility. I think he's listed right as a safety. Uh, by by uh, on three, that's where he's ranked as. And indeed, I mean, when you look at his size, the skill set, there's. I'll go back to my tried and true phrase. There's, there's a lot to like there about Kelvin Hunter.
0: Yeah, nice offer list. We saw it kind of explode a little bit. Um, you know early on it was kind of like Carolina and some smaller schools but then Auburn hopped in Virginia Tech hopped in at one point Chris it looked like he may kind of go through the process I still think it would have been difficult for anybody to unseat South Carolina took a spring visit to Virginia Tech I guess that didn't really move the needle the needle too much for him and uh, just decided there was no point in waiting so Gamecocks go ahead It, it even feels like I feel like I keep going big picture here, Chris, but just based on some things we've witnessed in the past, it seems like not only has Carolina been able to win their in-state battles with this cycle, but they're not having to battle them out quite as much. And what I mean by that, how many times did we see South Carolina in the past have leads on guys and their in-state players and their big-time players and their guys that Carolina wants and they seem to like South Carolina – but it felt like they just had to go through the entire process to get them and go through all the ebbs and the flows and the ups and the downs and sweat it out through official visits to other schools. Um, Not only are these guys committing, but they're kind of just doing it with relatively little drama to it whatsoever as far as this in-state group.
1: Yeah, it's a great point, and um, you know, probably the one they had to sweat out the most would be Blake Franks, who's already committed. You know, just in terms of of those ebbs and flows and that battle, the back and forth, and you know, you remember Wes. It looked like they were going to get Blake committed back in February, and then that, that kind of got derailed. And then it's okay. What, what's the next step? What's going to happen? But they were able to to get him in the fold ultimately, right? Uh, some of the other guys. You know Cam Pringle, or Josiah Thompson, they took their time. Kelvin Hunter, you know they took their time, but their recruitment didn't even last until the summer. We we feel like their recruitment lasted a long time because it got started so early with South Carolina. But in reality, there there wasn't a lot of drama. You know uh, there there was no shock, no surprise when these guys committed, and you didn't even have to get to official visit season in May and June or official visit season in the twenty 23- third. In the 2023 football season, to get all these guys committed, so that helps Wes, because as we've seen, uh, now they can help you start recruiting. We've certainly seen Cam Pringle been very, very vocal in trying to recruit those other guys who are now committed uh, in the so to, in the so to speak, uh, Great Wall of Carolina, and it and it helps you. I mean, it's it's not like the contacts over the staff just says, "Ah, oh, they're committed, we're good." You know, the relationship continues. They'll still spend time on the road when they're able, going to visit these schools, going to do in-homes at the appropriate time. But it does allow you mentally and from an actual resources standpoint to start devoting a little bit more time to the 2025 class as well, which is is very helpful. I mean, you think about the offensive line in particular, Wes, you're just about done there. I mean, you, you can add another guy if you want, uh, but you got four guys there, so now you feel pretty good.
0: Yeah, you feel great, man. Uh, I think you can be very selective about what you do next. And with Hunter, going back to him real quick, like you said, there is position versatility here listed as a safety. I mean, I kind of see him as one of those guys who actually would have three position versatility for me, safety, nickel, or corner. You know, at, at the very least, Chris, like I think completely conservatively, you're probably saying he can play nickel or safety. Like, I, I think that's kind of a given.
1: Yeah.
0: But I, I'm i not going to completely rule out cornerback either. Like, I, I think that's a possibility. You know, I don't, I don't know if you completely lock that in, but I, I do think that's a, a situation where you could see him kind of get his shot there. I mean, this is kind of we, – we see South Carolina um, – you know, kind of bring guys in and then figure it out from there. And so I, I think Hunter is that guy four star. Oh man. I was going to say four star across the board. There is um, one organization that is holding out on the four star, but still has, still have him as a industry ranking four star, which is the average. It's a weighted average of, of all the rankings, a uh, 194 overall in that ranking number 17 safety. And again, number four prospect in South Carolina. Some differing opinions there, Chris, the average has them as fourth in the state. You have everywhere from second to seventh in the state of South Carolina, which with, you know, relatively few guys in the state, that's actually a pretty wide, um, range for, yeah. uh, for him in the state of South Carolina.
1: Yeah, that is pretty wide range. And one, I think in all threes rankings, uh, in state, I believe Brace Staley from Aiken, I believe is number four. I want to say. And that may be in the in the industry rankings, which is is the weighted average using those rankings. But um you know South Carolina, one big point before we go back to Hunter, the guys that they've offered in state, they've landed, you know, and that doesn't happen very often. I think that happened in 2020. Um Wes, are these the on three Is this the average?
0: This is the average, Yep. Industry Uh, ranking average.
1: Okay, Yep. I was wrong then. I think maybe on three's individual rankings. Yeah, so there you see, Wes said earlier, top four commits in the state, and this is the top four guys that they wanted in the state. These are the guys that have offers. I think you go back to 2020, it's probably the last time that the guys that South Carolina wanted in the state wasn't necessarily just the top four guys all around. It's the last time they did it, and that was a really, really good in-state class for them and it appears to be the case this time but hunter back to him i I just really like the traits here you know you can always take a chance and, and not that he's a player you're taking a chance on i think he's a really good take and someone that you want to get in your program but you feel good about his potential because of those traits right he's almost six foot he's 180 pounds and recalling some of the testing numbers he put up this summer i think he was you know, in the four fours hand time in the 40. So he's got speed as well. And then you look at the film and that kind of backs it up. So again, we've talked, spent a lot of time talking about DMV recruiting, rightfully so. But you start within your own state and your general rule of thumb is if you got guys in your state that are going to be upgrades and are going to be big additions for your program, you want to sign them. And that's precisely what they're on track to do right now in this class.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And so, all right, let's uh, let's start going through these other guys, Chris. Um, so, second to go public today, actually within minutes of Hunter was um, Big Mike Williams, who, by the way, does not like grits. Uh, we do like to add in some food talk on our show. Um, not a big fan of grits, but that did not hurt the Gamecocks. Uh, the reason I bring that up: one of his first visits. They serve grits, and uh, just kind of goes to show you, coming from the DMV again, uh, not not big on the grits up there. It was his first time ever having grits. I had to ask him, you know, what'd you think? He was not a fan, but he was a fan of everything else at South Carolina. Chris, I got to see Mike a couple times uh, on the sideline at the spring game. This is my first time putting eyes on him, and... Jeez, dude, like, just a massive SEC-looking kid. Eye test-wise, you can see why South Carolina still targeted him. And, you know, we've we've kind of focused on him as a while. Everybody, uh, of course, was talking rightfully so about Josiah, Cam, Blake Franks. It had started to become really clear, I would say, the last month or so, maybe even longer, at least internally at South Carolina, maybe some, you know, the rest of the industry didn't really kind of pick up on it yet, but it had become really clear. This was the guy who was most likely to be the fourth offensive lineman in this class. And, you know, I, I like the fact that he's got an SEC ready body. The fact that, you know, he's listed as a tackle probably could play either, you know, guard or tackle. I think if you look at Carolina, just, Contextually, the guys he's coming in with probably ends up being a guard, I would think. But I mean, they have absolutely added size with these last two classes.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, when you think about basically every single one of the guys in the last two classes, hey, you could go back three, really. You know, if you go back to the Brew Baker, Grayson, Maines, Case, and Henry class, I mean, those guys seem to be progressing nicely but let's for this purposes let's go back just last two because that's drawn the most attention i think i'm stealing your phrase where you you don't have to imagine what they're going to look like um and there, heck there are a lot of you know tight end bodies or you know six 250 offensive linemen that end up turning into nfl guys there's nothing wrong with that and there's also some ready-made looking guys that are kind of tapped out right so You want to find that mix. And in these guys, you know, this four-man offensive line group, they're already there from a physical standpoint. You don't have to worry about, are they going to be able to put on the weight? Are they going to be able to hold the weight? They have the frame. They have the weight. For some of the guys, it's going to be about restructuring, reshaping, getting stronger. But Williams actually, I was talking to his high school coach earlier today, Wes, he's actually lost a good bit of weight, worked really hard to, to get down. Uh, to a, a better weight for his frame, and he does have that combo, you know, guard slash tackle uh, mentality and ability. You know, he's a he's a physical guy, but he can he can move, he can bend, he he, he can be flexible. I tend to agree with you that he's probably going to start off inside as a big, you know, physical offensive guard, but certainly he could slide out and play tackle if you want him to. So, uh, another just big man with traits, you know, that you're bringing into this class.
0: Would you add one more if you're South Carolina or are you pretty happy? I I think we talked about this on the radio show, but I think you just be super selective from here on. You know, I I think you're probably focused on, they have such a good start to that 2025 class. That's going to be one of those things, Chris, where I think we go ahead and hit people over the head with it now. So that once they start adding Top four stars for that class, we can say we told you so. Like they're already kind of building the foundation with a bunch of those guys, and they're all, they're just all like top 300 prospects. Like it really is pretty insane. If you go back and look at the number of 2025 O line that came through, as good as this class is right now, I don't know if you even like rock the boat on some of the 2025s you have a chance with by making this class even bigger you're almost at the point where you you signed so many guys last class and you got four big-time guys in this class. Other schools, this is a great sign when other schools start saying, oh, they signed too much talent at a position. You don't want to go there. Um, So I I would imagine you go ahead and put your energy to 25 and put your energy to the transfer portal, right? Like we've seen them target and offer a couple of transfer portal guys, easy for me to say, um, both in the kind of – really the non-window when it was just grad transfers, and now in this spring window, you know, an offer going out yesterday. So, Chris, I mean, I, I think you just get super selective if a guy falls and maybe he just says, I want to check out South Carolina. You bring him in. But for the most part, I'd be putting my energy to 25 in the portal.
1: Yeah, and it could be, Wes, that some uh, an additional offensive lineman that we see as part of this class technically – You know, maybe that's a a transfer guy. Um, You know, look back at last class, South Carolina brought in what the four man high school class. They lost out on Isaiah Jada, who was from junior college at one time committed because they felt like they probably wanted to take a junior college guy. And then they end up bringing up Nick Gargiulo as a transfer. So I agree with you. They're they're not going to say we've got to fill out this five man class. It doesn't really look like that with the numbers that they took last year even the year before, not a big class, right? But it's not like they took one, you know, they took a few guys in that previous class in 2022. So now you can be selective. You can, I I don't have any information that South Carolina is going to look junior college. I'm just saying you could look at the transfer route, or if you get some big time or interested to be really, really hard to turn down. Other than that, you feel good about where you are from a numbers and a talent standpoint.
0: Yeah. So we'll, We'll certainly keep tracking and seeing if anything pops up there, but uh, I think you're really, really happy with that right now. So third commitment, as far as the order they went public, I believe he was actually second as far as who when they told Shane Beamer, Braden Lee, four-star B, DB, true cornerback, it appears, Chris, and a guy that you know I, I remember you and I talking about him way back when South Carolina was hot and heavy on Des Yumizulu and trying to get him. And you sort of say, well, hey, they got this big time DB there too. Can Carolina make a move with him? It's been very, very quiet for him lately, I feel like. And rightfully so. I didn't realize what all he was going through. He said it on his Instagram. Um, You know, his father passed away actually very recently. So he and his family have been going through a lot. I can understand why the recruiting process was kind of on the back burner. You've not heard from Braden Lee much, but Gamecocks obviously situated themselves in a spot to go land him. He decides not to go through the process any further. Go ahead and lock this thing in. And, I mean, I'll be honest, Chris, when I started looking at this class, I kind of had a feel for what different positions, who the main guys were going to be. And I was kind of going, all right, are there a couple of really true lockdown corners that they could potentially add to this class? And I wasn't really sure what direction they were going to go yet. And you go up there at a guy like Brayden Lee, another four-star prospect. Um, I think he's number twenty-eight corner in the country in the on-three industry ranking, and um, just a really nice-looking player.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, again, talking to. Uh, Coach Damian Powell up there earlier today, who's now had Desmond Yumi Azulu, Mike Williams, New Gamecock line commit, and Braden Lee. And, um, you know, the first words out of his mouth were just high IQ. So feels like he's a really, really smart football player, uh, sharp kid. I've had a chance to talk to Braden several times, and you, you definitely get that sense right off the bat. He's just a really, really sharp kid. And then physically talented as well, right? I mean, he could he'll, – he'll get bigger at the college level, but he has some length and size. He's close to six foot, if not six foot. And then you look at the film, he just makes a lot of plays in man coverage. Carries a really nice offer list too. So this is another one that, you know, I think we don't talk about fit enough at times with schools. I think Shane Beamer – has made South Carolina kind of a fit program. And what I mean by that is there are certain guys that I think they're really, really going to appeal to on the recruiting trail. And I think Braden Lee with him and his family, uh, that's one of the the types of kids that he really appeals to. And Braden even told Chad Simmons from all in three, really the first time he went up to South Carolina, that was kind of <laughs> all he needed to see. You know, it was just, it was just that big of a connection. So, really likes beamer really likes tori and gray and they really like him early pro- early prioritization of braden lee they've been on him for a while dating back to you know when they were recruiting Des yumi azulu for the last class
0: and i will say this chris the the sort of prioritization by south carolina not just of recruits but to keep tori and gray on staff and to give their assistance, raises, and to take care of those guys. You know, I, I don't think this is a secret anymore that, remember back, Florida State trying to make a run at Tigray. And that, you know, you, you never sit there and say a guy is irreplaceable. Like, nobody is irreplaceable, but that would have been disastrous for South Carolina, I think, when you look at the momentum they have. You look at the job that Tigray has done. Just developing players once um, he has them. I, I mean, it, and now recruiting as well. It's you've kind of seen an uptick in the on the paper ranking of a lot of the guys he's been able to land. Uh, you know, the last class and a half or so too. So it's uh, that that was a very very important thing for South Carolina to keep him in the fold. Uh, let's see. Before we get into anything else, Chris. We need to tell everybody about our sponsors, so let's do a little rundown here. First of all, our buddy Clint Hammond, presenting sponsor, as always. Clint actually texted me this morning, Chris, and was like, all right, who the heck did we get? What's going on? Um, Am I just getting caught up, or are we really rolling like this? So so Clint is dialed in um, with Gamecock Recruiting, as always, and he can help you get dialed in on the mortgage side if you're in the market for a new home. Go to ClintonHammond.com, 803-771-6933. He is the branch manager right here in Columbia at Movement Mortgage right over there across from Dreher High School. So give him a call or just drop in on him and say what's up. He will either be hitting up Gamecock Central when you walk in on him or talking to somebody about mortgages. Like That's the two things that Clint really focuses on in life, I feel like. So uh, give Clint a shout. Also, if you have not done your taxes yet, You absolutely need to call Liberty Tax because you are late. Chris, (laughs) did you get your taxes done, man?
1: Taxes are done, man. Taxiety is no more. But if, boy, if you don't have them done now, today, whew, big time taxiety.
0: Yeah, call this number, 803-462-5576, 803-462-5576. If your taxes just sucked this year, then give them a call as well. Maybe... It's time to, like, have a plan. I may be in this category, actually, guys, where I need to start thinking about my taxes for next year, like, right now. So um, give them a call. Again, 803-462-5576, multiple locations right here in the Columbia area, and they do a fantastic job. And our other sponsor that we tell you about every week, every couple of weeks is... Um, Andy Ledecky from uh, Perfect Franchise, um, or excuse me, he can help you find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net. Contact Andy, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net, 404-973-9901. So I told you all about this a couple of weeks ago. Basically, what Andy does is take people who are looking to franchise and looking to sort of own a business, own a company, and he will match you with an existing franchise as far as do you want to be a part-time worker manager? Do you want to be a full-time worker manager? Do you want to be sort of an an offhand owner who puts an on-campus uh, manager sort of in your place? He will match you with the proper company, a proper franchise that is looking for someone just like you. So 404-973-9901. Just shoot him a text, give him a call. That is a direct line. To Andy. So appreciate everybody letting me run through our sponsors there. We jumped right in to everything going on in Gamecock recruiting. So we didn't even spread them out, we just went right into it. But that's the deal. Great sponsors. We appreciate them. I'm still amazed, by the way, with this newest little stream yard setup. How the background, Chris, can just change itself. We've, uh, remember the other day when we went out and back in, and all of a sudden we had the baseball field? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just changing it for us. It's, it's AI, probably, right?
0: Now we have the Gamecock back, which I didn't even know was one of our backgrounds. So. We, we don't have
1: that in our system. I don't think we didn't put it, I didn't put it in there. Did you? No. I think it's kind of cool. It must be AI. Everything's AI now. In next next week shows, y'all tune in and it'll just be like robot Wes and Chris talking.
0: Chat GPT. In in our
1: in our voices, it'll like adopt our
0: voices. I mean, it exists, right? <laughs> I mean, Michael here has combined us. Um, hey, Wes and Mitchell, um, <laughs> what has Beamer? Let's see. Let's hit, <laughs> let's hit Michael's question. Just giving me a hard time, man. What have they done differently to bringing this star-studded class in compared to previous coaching staffs? It's a lot of things, and it's a lot of things that we talk about probably every show when we talk recruiting. Chris, I mean, don't you think it's a combination of just energy, having a plan, um, on-field success, where you people can kind of see the momentum on the field building, building? Little luck along the way, and really just the fact that players want to play with other good players, and I feel like kids are always kind of looking for the next big thing. Like you know, sure there are going to be some guys are going to just look at Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, sort of those traditional schools right now, or at least traditional. People might be saying, "Well, Clemson's not a traditional school." In the eyes of a 17, 16-year-old kid, yes, they are. So some kids just want to look at that, but some kids are looking for the next big cool thing. And Beamer came in and has just, I mean, established his own brand, I feel like, is actually the best way to say it. I was going to say culture. Culture gets kind of overused a little bit, I think. He's kind of established his own unique brand with this program. And now another big part, Michael, is that you've got the guys who are committed, who are pitching in with synergy, so much time commitment to to get other guys to join them at South Carolina.
1: Yeah, and you probably – I probably can't add too awful much to what you said there, but, you know, point one, you know, let's not forget – some of the good players that have been on the roster and some of the recruiting battles that were won in the past. You know, it's not, it's not a foreign concept for South Carolina to land some big time recruits, right? There are some still on the roster. There are some going to the NFL this year. There were some recruiting battles that uh Will Muschamp's staff and Steve Spurrier's staff won that were kind of uh big time wins, right? As it turns out for both of those, especially Muschamp at the end, there weren't enough of those, right? Um or there were some just problems or some holes. Um, With Beamer, I I definitely go back to what you said, Wes, and that just the brand that he's created with the program. I mean, uh, some coaches or fan bases, you know, roll their eyes at it or whatever, but he made a conscious decision, but it was also a very real decision, and it's who he is to be, you know, out there on social media, and he was going to – Um, create buzz about his program and make it a fun place to play right 2020 wasn't fun South Carolina didn't look like a fun place to play you know after a COVID year where they won two games and so I think that was a big part of it but having your own players on your roster and having the commits that you did bring in vouching for you and recruiting for you that certainly helps I'd echo beyond that everything else you said plus I, I do think unlocking some not completely new, but just kind of uh, restructuring how you're recruiting and, uh, you know, further unlocking maybe some new areas like the DMV, I think that's also helping them as well.
0: Well, and Beamer's, I I guess, instinct to hire some assistants who, you know, frankly, just like speaking in reality, Chris, weren't, a lot of them coming from sec schools or weren't coming from where they had won a bunch of kind of what we call the big boy recruiting battles. And some of them like Sterling Lucas coming from the NFL and not really having that experience recruiting. But I I would say there was a little bit of risk there, but he trusted his gut and that he believed the personality, the character, the just kind of ability to connect with people would translate over into recruiting to where the actual experience or lack of experience wouldn't really matter. And, you know, I, I think we've seen it play out like that. And he's kind of, I mean, he even joked, but I I don't even know if he was joking about kind of showing Sterling Lucas, the ropes the first time he took him on the road recruiting when he first got here. But You know, the one thing you hear about a lot of these assistants is just that they connect with people. So they maybe didn't come in with the recruiting kind of, you know, all that guy was the rival's recruiter of the year back in, you know, 2017, all that stuff. But they just connect with people. They work hard at it. You know, Clayton White was kind of more known as a guy who, yeah, was going to build you a defense, but wasn't didn't have this reputation as being a great recruiter. He's done a fantastic job. I feel like of connecting with linebackers and and bringing them in. And so it's kind of been an interesting mix in how they built this staff, but it's really worked out. And I think we we maybe don't even talk about enough. Just the secret sauce, I think is that you have a head coach who is willing to really just work at recruiting and get after it. Not everybody it's taken for granted because, you know, But even for any of his flaws, I mean, Muschamp truly got after it in recruiting. So maybe if you're a Carolina fan, you might just kind of think, well, that's just the way it is. But no, Carolina's back-to-back had two head coaches who have just gotten after it big time in the actual recruiting process, not just overseeing it, actually being heavily involved.
1: Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, Muschamp heavily involved. He, he was probably the best recruiter on the South Carolina staff, I think, when he was there, and, and certainly Beamer has a good track record recruiting as an assistant, very organized, um, and has done a really good job as the head coach there. I think the structure of how they have things going, you know, ha- has been really helpful. Like, like you look, the best example is probably offensive line, right, where they have – an amazing way that they recruit on the offensive line with, you know, the recruiting assistants, Sam Serbe, Taylor Edwards, who's the overall director of player personnel is often heavily involved with those guys. You got Greg Adkins. who has been in a lot of recruiting battles recruited for a lot of years as an analyst who's involved. And then Lonnie Teasley, who is a younger coach, but has been on the other side and forming relationships when he was an analyst at South Carolina and now, in the big chair, so to speak, as the, as the full-time offensive line coach. And he does a really good job from what we've heard of connecting with these prospects too. So, yeah, I think there's probably not one singular reason. There's probably, you know, five, 10, 15 different things that you could point to about how Shane Beamer has structured things. And, and, and here's another one. We've probably said this one, Wes, we have said this one, but to restate it differently, you know, I think just Beamer and the way he values relationships and wants to make sure those relationships are valued in recruiting has been important too. It's not about a bunch of hype in recruiting. It's not about going down a list of the highest rated guy and feeding him a bunch of lines and trying to convince him to come to your program. He wants things to be more real, authentic, and relationship-driven. And I think that's, again, we talked about this earlier. You look at the 2024 class. Why has it come together like this? relationships a lot of long-standing relationships that his staff has built with prospects so I think that's one big thing that you could point to where maybe it's not totally different right but it's he's done so well at it and cultivating those relationships and recruiting I think it's a big reason for the success
0: yeah man so we'll recap the numbers real quick 10 commitments at this point um you'd still I would think expect a full class so still A ways to go, obviously, but as everybody kind of knows at this point, a bunch of other big-time prospects that they're after. And who knows, what will this momentum do in terms of getting maybe a guy we're not even talking about involved, you know, kind of are interested with South Carolina too. But 10 commitments, eight who are four-star prospects. That's 80% on the blue-chip ratio, which I think is pretty dang good. Um Definitely way up there in the best ratio South Carolina has ever had. Um, let's see. Uh, maybe a couple other questions here, Chris. We got to get out of here, man. Um, let's see. Big Red saying, can we as fans translate these high-level recruits to high win totals in the future? Um, I don't know if the fan. well, if the fans want to do that, they can give to NIL would be uh, <laughs> the, the best way that fans can – directly help contribute i think i mean is that fair chris
1: (laughs) yeah that's that's probably a uh that's probably a fair assumption you know i mean look at the end of the day like the 2024 class even the 2023 class that was signed we'll know in a few years how that's panning out right but the trajectory is definitely good you would definitely want to be sitting in the top five nationally recruiting as opposed to the top 50 you know if you're sitting at number 49 like oh that was another Maryland tweak by me sitting at number 49 right now you know that you you want to be there right that doesn't automatically mean you're winning but if you look Wes if you're a program that's able to stack top five top 10 type classes you're going to be pretty good unless something goes haywire and I think maybe the exciting thing for South Carolina fans should be that they're stacking these classes, but they also have a good team culture. We've seen some programs that have had a highly ranked recruiting class two or three, but you know that things are kind of falling apart internally a little bit. And that's not the case at South Carolina. So, more talent you acquire, the better you have, the better of a chance you have uh, to compete.
0: No doubt, man. Um, I just changed the background to baseball because there's a big baseball series this weekend. We won't get into it on this show, but I'm sure. Cal and Taylor will have you completely covered Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup, South Carolina baseball versus Florida. Um, Chris and I will be on one to seven, throughout the week as well. Our normal GC takeover hour at 11. We actually have a full nine to noon show on Friday, live from the Camden firehouse subs come out and say, what's up. Otherwise, uh, that'll do it for right now. But if any other breaking news happens, um, you know, we'll of course hop on and try to talk some ball and, and get you caught up. And basically, uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page as well, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. We try to have breaking news and breakdowns of big South Carolina happenings on there as well. So, all right, y'all, we're going to get out of here. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Y'all have a good one.